Hello there, welcome to Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story and you listen to it. Last week we read chapter 6 of Wings of Grey, which was technically the final chapter of that series. However, this is kind of a bonus episode, I suppose, in which I'm going to read the alternate ending, which was written about nine months later, I suppose in response to some of the criticism that was leveraged at the author in the 71 comments that were left at the bottom of the last chapter. However, I should warn you that this ending is not considered to be canon within the universe of Wings of Grey. This is an alternate ending to the story, perhaps set in a parallel universe. The subtitle of this alternate ending is What If... It's got 4.4 thousand words, so it's actually almost three times longer than the real ending, which is hopefully a sign that a lot more thought has gone into the writing of this chapter, compared to the real ending, which was, if I'm honest, a little bit rushed. This alternate ending has 4.66 stars out of 5, and it is a H for hot chapter, so that's a significant improvement on the real ending. It's had 18.9 thousand views, 19 likes, and there are 31 comments. And we'll have a look at some of those comments at the end of the episode and find out what people thought. To give you a brief recap of what happened in the real ending, in case you'd forgotten, Alex is hanging around the house. He's still not going to school, but he is busying himself with his homework and he's doing some extra chores and things to help out around Mike's home in return for letting him stay there. He gets a bright idea to go and get some Chinese food and bring it to Mike at school. And so he does that and weirdly doesn't want to stick around to eat the meal with Mikey. He's literally just dropping it off. As he leaves the school, Randall is behind him with a gun and he shoots him in the chest and kills him. We follow Mike and his parents to the hospital where they get the bad news that Alex didn't make it. And then we have a scene with Mike going back to the old barn where they had their first date and having a bit of a reminisce about that time and closing the door metaphorically on the relationship and literally on the old barn. And that's where the story ends with the closure being Mike apparently moving on and putting the sadness of Alex's death behind him. So it was quite an emotional ending, quite heavy stuff, but it did feel a little bit rushed. And for me at least, a little bit unsatisfying. Not because I don't think that that was a fitting ending for the story. I think it's fine to have one of the characters die and for it to be a sad ending. I just think, much like the ending of Game of Thrones, we rushed through at a pace which didn't really give us a chance to take in the scenery or come to terms with what was going on. It didn't feel like the groundwork had been put in to prepare us for an ending like that. It seemed to come out of the blue and in the end it came off feeling a little bit arbitrary and slapdash. I think Wheel knew that as he was publishing the story, because he did so with a little bit of a disclaimer, apologising for the ending that he'd chosen and for the way it was presented, actually offering to write an alternative if people weren't satisfied. So I think he kind of knew people wouldn't be. In any case, he has come through, as promised, with an alternative ending. As you know, I don't read the chapters ahead of time, so I don't know what's going to happen in the alternate ending. All I can say is that I have read a little message at the top of this story from the author, which says, I hope this satisfies everyone's burning need for a happily ever after, and I hope this also helps people see what would happen if Alex hadn't ended up the way he did at the end of Wings of Grey. And IF is in capital letters, so it's a big IF. With that information disclosed, I hope you'll enjoy the alternate ending to Wings of Grey. Don't worry, it's okay. I am a bird 
Alex tried to sit up as Mike came in carrying a tray of food, toast in his mouth. You know, I think I'm healthy enough to go and eat breakfast downstairs with you guys, Alex smiled. I'm not risking it. Let me baby you while I can, Mike said, around his mouthful of Alex's toast. Now, drink your milk. He took another bite from the toast and put the rest down on the tray. I don't like the milk, Alex frowned. Too bad. Drink it, Mike smiled, and left the room. It was a month ago that Alex had been shot. Randall had missed. He was aiming for Alex's chest, meaning to kill, but instead hit his shoulder. His right shoulder was shattered, and it took a team of surgeons to repair it. He'd been released from hospital only two days ago, and had come home to Mike's warm parents, and Mike's warmer bed. He would have physical therapy in a few months, and the doctors said it would be another three or four months before he was able to lose the sling. They thought he would get full use of his arm back. It was a miracle. Randall had been arrested, and this time Alex didn't hesitate in pressing charges. He wouldn't be leaving prison for a long time, since he was over 18. Alex shifted in the bed again, trying to get comfortable, when Mike came in and rolled his eyes. He grabbed Alex around the waist and helped lift him up, adjusting so his wings would be comfortable in the bed. Thank you, Alex smiled. Of course, baby, said Mike, and kissed his lips firmly. Mike had been a wreck when he found out what had happened. He was pulled from school for a month to watch over Alex. His parents tried to convince him to go back, but he would leave in the middle of first period to come and watch over Alex. He wasn't sleeping well, and would watch Alex like the hawk he was paired with. You should get some rest. You didn't go to bed last night, said Alex. How did you know that? Mike frowned. I know, Alex smiled. I'm fine. Besides, I've got laundry to do, and your bandage needs to be changed, and... Mike, get some sleep. All that can wait. Don't make me worry about you, Alex smiled and stroked Mike's face. Mike sighed and kissed Alex again. Scoot over? He gave a sheepish smile. Alex laughed and tried to slide over, with the help of Mike. Mike climbed into bed and curled up next to Alex. Are you okay? Mike asked. I'm fine, Mike. Stop treating me like a porcelain doll, he laughed. I just worry. I know you do. Alex kissed him. I worry about you too. Alex lifted his arm and wrapped it around Mike's shoulders. I love you, Alex, Mike said. I love you too, Alex cooed. Alex rolled his shoulder as it was removed from the sling. It was painful and stiff. He grunted and put a hand over his shoulder. Physical therapy should help with all of that, the doctor said. He felt Alex's shoulder gently, feeling for anything amiss. So he'll have full use of his arm, asked Mike. He should, the doctor nodded. Mike smiled and hugged Alex tightly. Alex spread his wings and wrapped them around Mike's shoulders. Mike loved the feeling of Alex's soft wings. He rubbed his face in the soft feathers and smiled. You'll start physical therapy on Monday, said the doctor, as he wrote down the time, and Alex accepted it. How about some celebratory Chinese food? Mike smiled. Alex nodded excitedly, and the family walked out of the hospital. They were walking down the street to their favourite Chinese food place, when they saw a familiar face. Ethan, Mike glared, and Alex could see the anger in his eyes. Mike, don't. Alex stood in front of him. That asshole, Mike stepped towards Ethan. Mike, don't do anything stupid, Alex begged. He's out here shopping while you're getting out of the hospital, Mike was almost shouting. He moved past Alex and walked up to Ethan, who hadn't even noticed them yet. When Mike was only a few feet away, Ethan looked up. Mike, he said, as his eyes got wide, before he was met with Mike's fist in his mouth. He fell back, mouth bleeding. Mike, stop it! Alex stood in front of Mike again. Move, Alex, Mike said, eyes focused only on Ethan. No, Alex said softly. I said move. Mike turned to him and shouted. And I said no, Alex yelled louder. Mike stopped and looked at him with pained eyes. 
He tried to take you away from me, said Mike, his jaw shaking before he looked down and tears fell from his eyes. They both tried to take you away from me, and they almost did, Mike sobbed. Ethan stared up at them as Alex held Mike's head to his chest. God, Alex, I almost lost you, Mike cried. I was so close to losing you, he sobbed, and Alex brought his face up and wiped the tears away with his wing. But you didn't, Alex said softly, and beating up Ethan isn't going to help. The only thing it will do is make you exactly like him. Mike nodded. He stood up straight and looked over at Ethan. You're a horrible human being. I don't think you even have the right to be called human, Mike said simply. If you ever come near us again, even if it's by accident, you'd better pray Alex isn't there to stop me, Mike continued in a cold whisper. Ethan nodded quickly and watched them walk away. I'm proud of you. It takes a strong man to beat the crap out of somebody, but it takes a better man not to, said Alex, as he stood on his tiptoes and kissed Mike's jaw. Mike hugged into his side, careful of his injured shoulder, and rubbed his head in his hair, grateful for what he still had. Christmas was coming up, and Alex had spent the afternoon hanging up decorations with Mike and his family, though, with his injured shoulder, he stuck to decorating the tree with Mike's mother. He sat down once the tree was done, and rubbed his sore shoulder tenderly. You okay? Mike asked, sitting behind him on the couch and giving him a massage. Yeah, that feels better. You're the best. Alex leaned his head back on Mike's chest. I know. You can pay me back in Christmas gifts. Mike kissed his temple, making Alex giggle. What do you want for Christmas? Alex asked. It's no fun if I tell you, Mike smiled. But haven't you got me something yet? He added. No, it's not like you've gotten me anything, Alex rolled his eyes. Yes, I have, said Mike. Alex turned around so fast he could have given himself whiplash. What? he said. Worry scribbled all over his face. I've already gotten your Christmas presents, Mike shrugged. But I don't even know what I'm going to get you, and Christmas is only a week away. Alex stood up and grabbed his keys. I need to go shopping. He was headed out the door. Wait, driving will only hurt your shoulder, said Mike as he chased after him. You can't come with me. You'll see what I'm getting you, Alex said, although he had no idea what he was going to get Mike. I'll go with you, Alex, Mike's mother smiled and put on her shoes. Thank you, Mum, said Mike as he kissed her. She smiled and nodded and followed Alex out the door. Alex sipped a bottle of water as Mike's mother drove. So, what are you going to get him? she asked. I have no idea, Alex admitted. Has he mentioned anything he wants? Nothing. All he does is worry about me, Alex laughed. He's definitely a warrior. He gets that from his father. She winked at Alex. Do you have any ideas? Alex asked. Hmm. Well, get him a nice watch or something, she suggested. He doesn't like watches. Besides, he always has his phone with him, Alex shrugged. Go to a sex shop and get something for both of you, she said. Alex coughed and spit water everywhere. He choked for a while until he finally caught his breath. All the coughing hurt his shoulder. What? he shouted, looking at her like she was insane. Oh, come on, Alex. Don't you think I know what goes on behind closed doors? I do have a son, you know, she smiled at him. What's wrong with your generation? Alex laughed. Aren't I the one supposed to be saying that? replied Mike's mother. I'm not the one who mentioned the... Alex went silent as she pulled into the half-empty parking lot. He stared up at the blinking sign and sighed. Oh God, there's no way I can shop in there with you. He blushed and put his head in his hands. Oh, don't worry, I'll be shopping for my own things. She winked at him and got out of the car. Alex stared after her with a horrified look. Alex's eyes were wide as he walked up and down the aisles of sex toys, magazines, videos, and things he couldn't even name. He looked at the rows of dildos, anal beads, cock rings, and more with awe. 
He was blushing heavily and felt like everyone in the tiny store was looking at him, though most of them were keeping to themselves. He picked up a huge, thirteen-inch dildo and set it down again, shivering. He looked at the flavoured condoms when something caught his eye. He walked over to the role-playing costumes and got a smile on his face. They had never tried role-playing. It was something somewhat kinky, but not as scary as a thirteen-inch rubber cock. He looked through the many outfits and was considering which one to get when his shopping buddy walked up behind him silently. What about the fireman? Mike has always loved firemen, she laughed. Alex jumped and blushed even harder. I don't know. I think I would be embarrassed to buy anything, he said. Oh, come on, Alex. Everyone has a kinky side, she smiled at him and began looking through the costumes. In the end, they bought the fireman costume and a pair of very tight orange briefs and an orange jockstrap to match his eyes. He got home, locked Mike in their room and began wrapping the presents. He hoped Mike would like them. After he had wrapped them, he headed up to see Mike. Can I come out now? Mike looked up over the magazine he was reading. Yes, Alex blushed. Mike smiled and hugged Alex tightly. I love you, he said, as he sniffed his vanilla-scented shampoo. I love you too. Merry Christmas, Alex smiled. Merry Christmas, baby. Mike hugged him again and dragged him back to their bed. Christmas finally rolled around, and Alex sat between Mike's legs, watching everyone exchanging gifts. They sat quietly while his mother and father traded a watch and perfume and other gifts. Finally, his mother picked up a present and handed it to Mike's dad. She whispered something in his ear before he blushed and put the present aside to open later. Alex grabbed his own special presents and handed them to Mike, who stuck his finger under the corner of one. Wait, Alex said softly. Open these later, when we're alone. He blushed. Mike raised an eyebrow again, and with a sly smile put them to one side. He kissed Alex warmly, and the couple moved to search through their stockings. Alex pulled an envelope out of his stocking. That's your Christmas present. I just worried it would get lost with all the other ones under the tree, Mike smiled. Alex looked up at him with his wide orange eyes before opening the envelope with delicate hands. He pulled out the picture inside, and raised an eyebrow as he flipped over the plain picture, and was presented with a somewhat run-down house. What's this? Alex asked, beginning to think it was a shitty Christmas present. It's our new home, Mike smiled. Alex froze. Home? What? he stuttered. Mike bought it with his college fund, his mother said from the couch. Alex looked up at Mike. You what? He was still in shock. Only half of it. Mum and Dad agreed to help with the other half, since I put in all the money from the college fund, Mike said. What? Alex stuttered again. I brought us a house, Alex. I want us to move in together as soon as Christmas is over, Mike said, beginning to worry Alex didn't want to move in with him. You, you used, bought, he began mumbling incoherently. College? House? Alex choked out the last word. Babe, we talked about this. English. Real sentences. Mike gave a worried smile. Alex looked down at the picture, and when he looked up, he was crying. If you don't want to move in with me, it's fine, said Mike. I just thought we'd gotten to a point in our relationship where... He was silenced when Alex tackled him to the ground with a hug. He cried into his chest with large sobs. You want to move in with me? Alex smiled into Mike's chest. You're happy? asked Mike. You've made me the happiest person alive, Alex smiled. He looked down at the picture. That was a few weeks ago. I've been working on it since then. It still needs some work, but it's decent enough to live in, Mike smiled at Alex. God, I love you so much, Alex said. Oh my God, we're going to live together. Our own home. Our home, he squealed. Yep, all ours. Mike kissed him, and Alex sighed. How the hell was my gift supposed to compare to this? Alex waved the picture around. 
you agreeing to move in with me is a big enough present, said Mike. Don't worry, Mike. I was there when he bought your present. I know you're going to love it, his mother smiled and walked into the kitchen to start dinner. Alex turned bright red and his large wings stretched over to cover his face. Mike laughed and began pulling some chocolate out. They sat there, snacking on peppermint and chocolate, watching a children's Christmas movie on TV. What are you thinking about? Alex looked up at Mike. His feathers were ruffled and he was flexing his wings against Mike's chest. Wondering what treasures are hidden in those presents you won't let me open in front of anyone, Mike smiled. Alex blushed and played with Mike's bigger hand. When can we move? Alex asked. The thought of their new home was making his heart flutter. I told you, right after Christmas, Mike smiled, glad Alex was so eager. And it's close enough to the campus that we won't have any trouble getting to classes on time? Alex worried. It's kind of far, but it's near a bunch of bus routes, so we should be fine, Mike smiled. Alex cuddled deeper into his chest. Good, it's going to be perfect, Alex said dreamily. Suddenly he sat up, hitting Mike in the stomach as he pushed himself up. Can we have a dog? he shouted. I've always wanted a dog. Alex's eyes were wide with excitement. I don't know, do you think we'll have time? Mike asked. I don't want to get one and then just leave it at home all the time, Mike worried. I'm sure we'll have time, Alex begged. What about a cat? Mike asked. Low maintenance, he joked. Alex frowned. Right, right, no cats, Mike blushed. Sorry, he apologised, running his fingers down the scars across Alex's back through his shirt. It's okay, Alex said. Sure, we can get a dog. Not a big one, though. I don't want to have to take it for a run every five minutes, and there isn't that big of a yard, Mike said. It has a yard, Alex beamed. I'm going to have a garden with a pond and koi fish. Alex laid back on Mike's chest. I'm glad I made you so happy, baby. Mike kissed his temple. So happy, said Alex, as he snuggled into his neck. Mike held him as the movie played in the background, neither of them really watching. Mike, Alex said quietly. Yeah. Do you want to go and open your presents now? Alex asked. Mike smiled and nodded. They stood up, and Alex pulled him by the hand up to their room. He put the presents in Mike's hand and sat down on the bed. Mike smiled and unwrapped the first one. He pulled out the small orange jock and smiled. Oh, you're going to live in this, he said, as he looked up at Alex. Alex blushed and looked at the ground. Open the others, Alex urged. All right, all right, don't get your jockstrap in a twist, Mike winked. Alex buried his head in his wing, embarrassed. Mike opened the orange briefs next. Oh man, Merry Christmas to me, he smiled. Which one do you want to see first? I'll go and change while you open the third, Alex smiled. Mike held out the jock with a smile. Alex blushed and grabbed it from his hand quickly before dashing into the bathroom. Alex stripped quickly and slid on the orange jock that was the exact same shade as his eyes. He looked at himself in the mirror and all he saw was the scars that littered his body. He felt his heart sink, but he knew he knew Mike saw something else, something he didn't see, something beautiful. Holy Jesus, he heard Mike shout from the bedroom. He had unwrapped the last present. Alex exhaled and stepped out of the bathroom slowly. Mike looked up from the skimpy fireman outfit and his jaw dropped. Alex used his grey wings to cover as many of the scars as he could. God, you are so beautiful, Mike said, quietly amazed. He put down the fireman costume and stood up, walking slowly over to Alex. He touched his silky wing and pushed it away from his bare chest. He brushed his hand across his naked chest and down to his navel. Alex's wings were unfolded behind him, twitching and jumping with anticipation. 
I don't know how something so beautiful could exist in this world and still have it be such a dark place, Mike said, as he ran his finger across the bullet wound in Alex's shoulder. The look in his eyes made Alex feel amazing. He smiled and fell into Mike's arms. Mike tilted his head up and kissed him warmly, showing him all of his love. Mike began crawling down his body and ended up at his pink nipples. Mike bit and nibbled at the perky nubs, and Alex tossed his head back and moaned. Ooh, Mike, he said. Let me have you. You're just so beautiful, Mike begged. Okay, Alex whispered. Mike brought him over to the bed and set him down. Alex laid on his back on the bed, wiggling in anticipation. Mike moved back down his body slowly, playing with the light pink peaks, and then down to his navel. He followed the trail of light black hair down to his jock-clad cock. He sucked Alex's cock through the tight fabric of the jock, and Alex nearly went insane. The wet heat on the head of his cock made him buck and thrust against Mike's mouth. Mike, I need you. Please, Alex whined. His nipples were hard, and his cock was harder. Mike flipped him over and exposed his tight asshole. The pink twitching hole looked delicious, and Mike couldn't help but dive down and suck and lick the beautiful opening. Alex moaned and bucked against Mike's warm tongue. God, you're so hot, Mike smiled, and so goddamn sexy. He bit at the jock strap. You like it? asked Alex. I love it, just like I love you. I love you so damn much, Alex, said Mike, as he nipped at his neck and shoulders. Take me, please, Alex begged. Mike grabbed the lube from the table next to his bed and squirted a fair amount on his cock and on Alex's tight pink opening. Without any warning, he thrust in halfway, and Alex grunted loudly at being filled so suddenly. Are you okay? he asked. Yes, please keep going. Alex wiggled his ass back onto Mike's hard cock. Damn, I love it when you beg, said Mike, as he kissed his ear lovingly. He buried himself into the hilt before stopping. Suddenly, he felt a need to move nice and slow. He pulled his cock out slowly and paused for a minute with only the fat head of his cock inside Alex. Alex whimpered and wiggled with need. Mike pushed in slowly, a long moan forced out of Alex. He pulled out his cock and rolled Alex over onto his back. He bit and sucked on Alex's shoulders and neck as he fucked him gently and lovingly. Alex was panting and dizzy with need. After a while of massaging his prostate with his hard cock, they were reaching climax fast. Mike held off as long as he could, making sure their release was beautiful. He grunted one more time before pulling out and coming all over Alex's chest. Alex moaned loudly and exploded all over himself and Mike. He tensed as his balls emptied all over their bodies before collapsing back onto their pillows. He was dizzy and sleepy. Oh my god, that was so good, Alex moaned, already half asleep. Mike rolled over so he wouldn't crush his lover, but he snuggled up next to him quickly. Hell yeah it was, Mike smiled. Alex began snoring softly, still half awake. So tired, he mumbled. Mike placed his hand on the puddle of still warm cum and began rubbing it into Alex's light skin. Alex lazily placed his hand on Mike's. He moaned contentedly, and once all the cum was rubbed across his body, Mike kissed his temple and began drifting off to sleep. Alex stretched, feeling the jockstrap around his ankles. He moaned and curled back up with Mike. Morning, Mike smiled. Good morning, Alex grinned. Thank you for the Christmas presents. They're fantastic, Mike purred. You like the fireman one, Alex blushed. Oh, hell yeah. We're trying that out tonight, Mike laughed maniacally. Alex blushed. How did you know I had a thing for firemen? Mike asked. Huh? Oh, well... Alex blushed heavily and buried himself in Mike's armpit. What is it? Mike asked, laughing as Alex peeked out at him. 
It was, uh, your mum was with me when I, um, Alex turned red and buried his face again. Holy shit, my mum went with you? Grody, Mike grimaced. Then his eyes got wide. Is that what all the secret present shit was about? Oh, gross. He gave a horrified look. That's what I said, Alex giggled. Okay, officially creep the hell out, Mike laughed. Alex hugged his arm tightly. What are we going to do today, he asked. Well, I thought we could start packing. We've got a lot of stuff to go through, Mike said. Alex's heart fluttered. God, I can't believe this. It's a dream come true. Alex kissed Mike's jaw. Yeah, it is. But first, let's shower. Mike pulled him out of bed, helping him out of the crusty jockstrap. Alex smiled as they hopped into a steamy shower and leaned against Mike's strong chest. I love you, he whispered. He thanked God again for letting him survive that gunshot. Oh man, Alex muttered, reading the paper as he sipped his coffee. What? asked Mike. Look at this. Some poor college kid was found dead in his boyfriend's dorm room. They said he was beaten to death. They think his boyfriend was abusive, and they can't seem to find him, Alex said. That's so sad. He was infected. And he looked so sweet, almost familiar. Alex mumbled the last part. What was his name? Mike asked. Uh, Anthony. He was about our age, Alex said. Poor guy, Mike said, before setting a plate of toast in front of Alex. That's horrible. Poor guy, Mike said, setting a plate of toast in front of Alex. He felt bad, but wasn't really paying attention. Yeah, it reminds me of that story we read a few days ago. You know, the one about that kid Chris who killed himself, Alex frowned. After he hooked up with some guy at the club who raped him. Yeah, his roommates partied so much they didn't find him for days. Mike got a sad look on his face before buttering some toast. Seems our school has some bad luck, Alex pondered. Yeah. Eat your food, then we can start packing, Mike said. Alex smiled and bit into a piece of toast. They had spent all day packing, and Alex was exhausted, but happy. He looked over as Mike closed the hundredth box that day with a sigh. Man, we aren't even halfway through, he said. We'll be fine. We should be finished by January, Alex smiled. And then we can move in together, alone. Just the two of us, with a sexy fireman outfit. Mike raised an eyebrow. Do you still want to try that out tonight? Alex blushed. I do, but I'm kind of tired. You wouldn't mind waiting for that, would you? He said. Not at all. Alex fell forward, pinning Mike to the ground. Let's go to bed, baby. It's been a long day, Mike smiled. Alex nodded sleepily and followed Mike to their bed. I love you so much, Mike, Alex mumbled as they collapsed into bed. I love you too. Mike hugged him tight. I'm so glad we're moving in together, Alex beamed. Yeah, can you believe it? Mike laughed. We're going to be a real couple, on our own, in our house, with our furniture, our jobs, our school. Our dog, Alex smiled. Our money, Mike laughed. Our bed, Alex ran a finger slowly down between Mike's pecs and to his belly button. Our everything. Mike took Alex's mouth in a kiss. Alex let him take over his mouth and submitted to the kiss. He curled up on his chest, their hands entwining. He looked up at the man he loved and smiled. He wouldn't have his life any other way. The Alternate End So there we go. That was their happily ever after ending. 
And it was a very happily ever after. They got exactly the life that Alex was dreaming of that night when they had sex after the incident at the shopping mall. (laughs) I think it's funny in a way that this is sort of a Christmas special of Wings of Grey. Maybe that's just because it was written around that time on the 29th of December 2011. And I wonder if it's so Christmas oriented because that's just what was happening for the author at the time. They are weaving in a lot of what's going on with them. Was it a better ending, though? I don't know if it was better. Um, It was definitely more what you'd expect from an erotic story, I thought. I mean, there was a sex scene in there, which we didn't get in the real ending. We didn't get any sex in that one, which is another reason why I think it was possibly a bit of a rushed chapter. I think they could easily have squeezed a sex scene in there before Mike went to school and then Alex ended up getting shot. It's interesting, though, that even though this is an alternate ending set in a parallel universe, that Alex still had to get shot. He couldn't have just avoided the bullet. Or or maybe just Randall wasn't there. Or maybe that Alex decided to stick around and eat the Chinese food with Mike, and so Randall missed his opportunity. Or maybe Mike could have come to Alex's rescue and in some way stopped Randall from pulling the trigger. But even in this alternate fantasy happily ever after ending, Alex still has to go through the pain of getting shot. (laughs) and spending months in hospital going through painful physical therapy you know even in the nice ending Alex still has a pretty hard time of it (laughs) and maybe that's because the dynamic between Alex and Mike is always that Alex is vulnerable in some way and needs looking after and then Mike steps in to do the looking after That's always a dynamic that I think has suited both of them. But it seems in this alternate universe that actually Alex is a little bit more capable and tells Mike to stop treating him like a porcelain doll, which is a contrast from the main timeline Alex, who seemed to really love being babied. Another interesting thing about this alternate ending is that Ethan turns up and seems like, even though there isn't really a closure to Ethan's storyline, he doesn't really get a character arc here. He just is a bad guy, and he should feel bad. That's his storyline. But Ethan was completely forgotten in the real ending. He's turned up in the alternate. And Mike gets a little bit of revenge there. He punches him in the mouth, which was a satisfying moment that I thought was a little bit undersold by Gawil. Could have made a bit more of that. Although I do think it was a little bit of a sucker punch, and I don't think that's really cool. Mike had the right to confront him, but you don't just punch someone in the face out of the blue like that. Ethan didn't shoot Alex, and for all we know, he had nothing to do with Randall since the time that Alex got beaten up in school. And also, what is Ethan doing after the punch when Alex and Mike are talking about whether Mike should go further and completely beat him up? Is he just standing there waiting to see if he's going to be attacked again? Alex really takes the wind out of Mike's sails a bit, even if I do agree with Alex's overall moral stance. In a way, there's quite a satisfying irony in what Mike says to Ethan, that he doesn't even think he has the right to be called human. Because in a way, that says that people who don't treat the mutants with the proper respect in some way lose their humanity. Then on the other hand, it does seem a little bit weird that Mike is so quick to strip someone of their humanity, which is the very thing that he is against happening to people like Alex. He's a defender of people's humanity. 
And I don't know if you can have it both ways. You can't say that the mutants have a humanity that can never be stripped away and then also say that Ethan doesn't have the right to be called human just because of his views. I don't know, it seems like a bit of a confusing insult and a bit of a weird thing for Mike to choose to say in that moment. I really loved the bit with Mike's mum. She turned out to be quite a dark horse. When we hadn't really had much of her for the whole story, we didn't really know much about her. She was just a bit of a background presence. And then in this alternate ending, she really came into her own. (laughs) And I was genuinely shocked when she suggested that Alex go to a sex shop to get something for him and her son to enjoy together in the bedroom. You know, I don't think many mums think that way, you know. That almost gave me a bit of a flashback to the country cottage. I think it's funny that the beginning of that scene is Alex drinking a bottle of water just so he can spit it out all over Mike's mum when she says that. And I like the way that she winked at him as she gets out of the car. (laughs) There's nothing more cringe to a teenager than finding out your parents have had sex and continue to be sexually active. I enjoyed the scene in the sex shop. Mike's mum pops up behind Alex and suggests the fireman outfit. Mike's always loved firemen. And that might well be true. I wonder... I'm not a parent, so I guess it's hard to say what things a parent might pick up on in their children. But I wonder if that is something a parent would pick up on, that their child has an erotic fantasy for a fireman, as opposed to just a kind of childhood interest in firemen. You know, at what point as a parent do you start to become suspicious that your child's fixation with firemen-related toys and TV shows and stuff like that that it's something more. And what do you do as a parent about that? I mean, do you continue to buy things like that for Christmas? Do you avoid buying him Fireman Sam DVDs next Christmas? Or do you lean into it and buy more of the Fireman Sam DVDs than you would ordinarily? But Mike's mum is definitely a more interesting character than she's had room to demonstrate in previous chapters. She's a real dark horse, especially because on Christmas Day, she gives Mike's dad a present that makes him blush. So I assume that's another sexy present from the sex store. Maybe that's why it was on her mind to suggest that. So she thought that would be quite nice. Two couples together both getting their significant other something from the sex shop. It's going to be a very hard gift to top next year for Mike this time around. Quite a risk, isn't it, buying a house as a Christmas gift? It'd be a very awkward conversation to turn down a gift like that, wouldn't it? Especially as he's sacrificing his opportunity to go to college in order to buy the house. It's a serious life decision. And also, Mike's mum and dad have had to invest significantly in this house. In fact, I think if we're being honest, we've got to say that all the money is coming from Mike's parents here. And I think if you look at the timeline of this story, it's not all that long. I mean, let's go back to chapter one and have a look at when, when is it, what time of year is it that Alex first joins the school? Okay, so it was the summer when they had their first date. And we know that from chapter 6, the original ending, when Mike is comparing the winter wind being cooler than it was back in summer when Mike had first brought Alex there. So this whole story has happened over about six months, at the, at the maximum, really. And I think it's pretty quick to meet somebody, get into a relationship, and then buy a house and move in with them in six months. That seems like a real acceleration. Breakneck speed, even. And I wonder what it was that gave Mike the confidence to go all in with Alex after such a short amount of time. I guess in that short amount of time, they have been through quite a lot. 
I mean, Alex has been hospitalised twice and had to be nursed back to health by Mike both times. And really, that's all that's happened to them. They haven't really had much else apart from injury and recovery. I wonder how their relationship will fare through a period of good health for Alex. Is their dynamic going to break down now that they're outside their comfort zone? I wonder if Mike's decision has been influenced by Mike's parents, who are maybe very keen to get these two guys who are going at it like rabbits every evening out of the house. After all, Mike's mum and dad have put up the funds to buy the house. Maybe they're just looking to get their privacy back and have a quiet life. You could maybe argue that Alex's reaction is over the top to finding out that Mike has bought him a house. But actually, I think when you consider everything, he's right to be flabbergasted. It is a mad thing to do. Imagine you were dating somebody for six months and they bought you a house. That's quite a power move, isn't it? I think I would be a li- that might be even a bit of a red flag for me if it happened so soon like that. I wonder what would Mike do if Alex said he wasn't ready to move. But really, Alex doesn't have much of a choice, because he doesn't have anywhere to live anyway. He's currently staying with Mike's parents because he was kicked out of the orphanage. So it's really a choice between being homeless or going all in with Mike and moving into their new house together. It's a bit of a weird dynamic, isn't it? And, you know, who has the power in this relationship? Because it also seems like Alex has Mike wrapped around his little finger to some extent. Mike obviously didn't want a dog. <laughs> you know, he's not really that keen on the idea, but it doesn't take that much persuasion from Alex to have him agreeing. In a way, it's like Alex uses his mutations as a kind of leverage in that moment. Mike suggests getting a cat because it's low maintenance, but obviously forgets that birds and cats aren't usually the best of friends. And all Alex has to do is frown for Mike to be on the back foot and going, oh, right, yeah, no cats, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then Alex looks all sad and says, oh, it's okay. And Mike's in this weird position where he's got to say, yeah, okay, we can we can get a dog. Don't be sad. I mean, sorry I was insensitive. <laughs> we can get a dog. We'll get a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike the original ending, this alternate ending has a steamy sex scene in it. Even though it's not the most detailed sex scene that we've had in this story, there were a couple of interesting moments. Mike sucks Alex's cock through the fabric of the jockstrap, and then that's kind of it. The jockstrap is pulled down and seems to just be around Alex's ankles until the morning, and when he awakes, the jockstrap is crusty. How did it get so crusty? I want to know. I thought it's interesting as well how their sexual dynamic has changed slightly. In the last sex scene we had, Mike was very tentative about entering Alex's anus. This time, without any warning, he's thrusting in halfway, and Mike fucks him quite hard. They have a messy mutual orgasm, and then Alex kind of falls asleep straight away. which I always thought that was a bit of a faux pas to fall asleep immediately after you've come. Most couples want a little bit of aftercare and pillow talk in the post-coital moments. Maybe that's just a consequence of being pounded by the fat head of Mike's cock, that as soon as it's over, he just needs to go straight into recovery mode. Bit of a weird scene the next day when they're talking about all of the incidents that have happened in the paper with other gay mutants who have met quite harrowing fates. 
and doesn't really seem like that scene is in there for any particular reason. We haven't heard of any of these people before, and they don't have any bearing on what happens in the rest of the story. just seems like maybe the author wanted to include some horror stories, perhaps just for shock factor. I don't know. They spend the rest of the day packing, and they close the hundredth box at the end of the day, and that's only half the boxes. So there's going to be 200 boxes of stuff. And that is an enormous amount of boxes, especially for a move with two teenagers, one of whom doesn't really have any stuff. I think that was established in earlier chapters that Alex doesn't really have any things. That's why he has to go shopping in chapter five. And I find it hard to believe that teenage Mike has 200 boxes worth of stuff. And also that a teenager could afford a house that could fit 200 boxes worth of stuff in it. Maybe they're just really inefficient at packing, and there's just a lot of empty space in those boxes. <laughs> Maybe Mike doesn't want to make them too heavy so that Alex can still lift them. I think it's established that he's physically weak. And also he's got the poorly shoulder, so maybe that's the reason why there's so many boxes. But there we go. That's the alternate ending of Wings of Grey. It's hard for me to say which one I prefer. I mean, I guess I prefer this ending. It was a happier one after all, and I think a lot more effort and thought was put into it. Although I will say that in a lot of ways this alternate ending was a little bit too rosy, in that it's kind of an all our dreams come true type ending. It's a little bit sickly sweet for me. <laughs> and feels a little bit unnecessary. You know, did they have to buy a house for them to have a happily ever after? Is it realistic that teenagers straight out of school would do that? I don't think it is, and I think they could have been a very happy ending without all that. When you finish a story, sometimes it's nice to leave a little bit to the imagination, whereas this ending, I think, really takes great pains to fill in all the blanks and check all the boxes, and, and that leaves it a little bit hollow. So that's what I think, but let's have a look at some of the comments. Let's see if there's any from people that we've heard from before. Hot Lover 69 <laughs> always very clinical, says simply, good. So they enjoyed it, that's nice. There's a comment here from Kand, and they say, you are so mean, lol. So, I was partway through remembering how at the beginning of the next story I couldn't get over Alex having died, but I thought to myself how I now felt bad in a way that Anthony wouldn't have come into his life now. Man, did you have to drive that point home with the newspaper article, huh? And here I thought you were giving us the sweet ending we wanted, when I think in your devious little mind you wanted to teach us a good lesson on how one life affects another. I liked it even so. Oh, okay. So that's why those newspaper clippings were read out, because I'm guessing that Anthony is a character in a story set in the same universe who in this parallel future came to a sticky end rather than going on to have whatever adventure they had. I guess with Mike, maybe Anthony and Mike have a thing in a different story. So that's interesting. There's a comment from Love Desired who says, Oh yeah, read the original ending up until the word casket, then switched to this one. So what if I'm a sucker for happy endings? Love the whole story, but mostly the happy ending. Thank you for writing it. <laughs> so they couldn't even bring themselves to find out what happened in the other ending. They just completely abandoned it once they saw it was going to be sad. <laughs> 
So there's actually quite a lot of comments here about the other story that features the characters Chris and Anthony, who are mentioned by Alex as he's reading the newspaper in that scene that didn't really make much sense in the context of Wings of Grey. But I think it's obvious that it does make sense in the context of the wider cinematic universe of Wings of Grey if you've read Things Change. I'm not going to read any more of those comments, though, because obviously in this podcast we haven't read Things Change. But from what I gather, the consequence of Alex living in the Wings of Grey story is that both Anthony and Chris meet sticky ends in their timelines. So that's kind of an interesting thing that Gwiel has done there. I kind of respect that. I think that's an interesting thing to do. And I think it's a way to have this alternate ending and give the fans what they want while still withholding a little bit of control as the author. You know, it's like, well, you can have your happy ending here if you want, but here's the dark, twisted side of that bargain. There's lots of people in the comments who are just upset with what happened to Anthony and Chris (laughs) in this timeline in the other stories. So (laughs) it obviously had the desired effect. There's a comment from an anonymous who says, Weirdly enough, I like the other ending better. As strange as it is, considering I love happy endings, I do like the other one better. However, for those who want this ending, they can have it. (laughs) Haha. Anyways, good job. Though that is really creepy that the mum was there in the sex shop suggesting things. (laughs) It is kind of creepy. Sea Angel says, Sweet, but just not right. Truthfully, while the original ending to your story made me cry my eyes out, it fit, at least in my opinion, with the piece. So while I thank you for this contribution to your wonderful stories, I just want to let you know that some of us don't always need that happy ending. And, to those who are now complaining about the deaths of Anthony and Chris, what did you expect? Mike was there to save them in the original story because of the loss of Alex. It has a ripple effect. One change in the timeline... One tiny pebble dropped into the waters of time, and there are lots of waves. Lots is in all caps there, to emphasise how many waves there will be. Night Tempest says, I love the other ending and appreciated it in all its glory, but as a happy ending kind of person, I was very pleased to read this. You had me in giggles over the fireman outfit, because I have one in my closet. No joke, smiley face. But anyways, I love this alternate and can't wait for your next post. Great job. There's a comment from an anonymous here who says, Good read. I actually think you needed both endings. I know it seems weird, but the alternate seems like the clean-up or comeback after a bad joke. The first ending was rushed and left you with a sense of loss, but I guess that's the point. The second has a happily ever after, but the same issues still persist, making you feel like the dangers are still there, so the happily ever after is as fleeting as a singular moment. I like this story. It made me think. Final comment from an anonymous says... That was sweet, mixed with enough kinky slash embarrassing parts to not be a sugar overload. The original ending had a lot more impact, but it made me tear up, so I'm tempted to go for the happy ending. There is also a comment from Gwiel, and it's actually in direct response to Kand's comment. Um, They say, love it, I love the comment from Kand. While that wasn't my original intention with this ending, I suppose that was what I was really trying to get at. Cause and effect, right? I do have a mean streak a mile wide, so it has to show up somewhere in my writing. Right? Winky face. So they knew what they were doing, and they did that deliberately. Interesting that they described themselves as having a mean streak a mile wide. 
when actually I think this is quite a sweet, formative love story at its core. I guess their mean streak comes through really in the awful context of the story's setting, the whole mutant disease and concentration camps in the past that are kind of looming over this whole story. And if I'm honest, I don't think that this story really needed that kind of darkness to it. I think you could have had the same story with the same emotional impact, the same characters, and basically everything the same, without the need for there to be a mutation, or the disease, or the concentration camps. You know, Alex could have easily been just an orphan who was persecuted for his sexuality, and maybe for being a little bit physically weak. That would have been enough, I think, to justify him being bullied at school, without him having to have this horrible, debilitating mutation, and without the need to go to the concentration camp stuff which was, to be honest, not handled particularly well or sensitively and, you know, didn't really have a point. It was unnecessary. Some of that stuff felt a little bit forced and that it didn't really fit with what was happening in the story. It's like there was this whole lump of exposition into the disease and the mutations and the concentration camps and the only purpose that served was to give other characters who disliked Alex a reason to dislike him. And I think, you know, there are plenty of other reasons why a character could be unpopular in high school. You know what I mean? Without having to go to such an extreme place to get that motivation. It just felt a bit out of balance. And maybe it would have felt more justified if all of that history and background context had had an impact on what actually happened in the narrative in any other way. But that's it. That's the end of Wings of Grey. And even though it's tempting to go on to read the next story in the series, Things Change, I think that's maybe something for way down the line, because it would be good to have a break from the mutant world. Still, if you enjoyed this story and you're a fan of Gwiel's work, you can always log on to literotica.com and read Things Change for yourself by searching for Gwiel as an author. I'll spell it for you again. It's G-W-E-A-L-L. I want to say a huge thank you to Gwiel for writing this story and for making it accessible to everybody on Literotica. It's been really fun to read it and to have a think about it, and we may well be back to the world of the infected mutants at some point in the future. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you've enjoyed this series of the podcast, then please like and subscribe and leave a review if you'd like to. And join us next week for a brand new story in Season 4 of the Let's Get Sexy podcast. But until then... I wish you a very pleasant week, and I leave you with a special acoustic version of the Wings of Grey theme tune. I hope you enjoy it. Goodbye.
go to a sex shop and get something for the both of you. What kind of mum is going to say that? <laughs> 